All right, let's see what we got going on here. Well, I guess I should start by saying good morning. Uh, if anybody doesn't know me, my name is Harlan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Billings Vineyard. And uh, this morning, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of John, intentionally looking at how we can actually experience the presence of God. And I would guess that that's why we are all ultimately here this morning, right? Uh, we're not just here to hear about God, but we're here to actually meet him and experience that weighty felt presence, uh, that weighty felt presence that scripture promises to absolutely everybody who loves God and seeks him. Uh, so to that end, we're going to be in John 14 this morning, seeing how God's presence comes to us and how our experience of that encounter results in a deep internal peace. Even though outward circumstances may be absolutely crazy and chaotic, when God's presence manifests, that internal storm of, you know, doubt and fear and shame and guilt and anger and bitterness and hurt and anxiety and all of those other things that we carry as, as humans, that storm is actually calmed and brought to a place of, like, stillness and contentment and joy, and hope, and peace. And, you know, as humans, I imagine that's something that all of us could use this morning, right? Because we all live in a broken, crazy world, and, you know, the peace that we try to create within ourselves, it's not very potent, and um, it doesn't last very long. But the good news this morning is that there is a different kind of peace. There is a kind of peace that God has that is absolutely unlike anything that we can find anywhere else. It is true peace that really penetrates us to the core of our being. Uh, this peace comes to us by the presence of God with us, by the voice of God speaking directly to our hearts. It's pretty cool. I was thinking this week that the the very same voice that, uh, of power and sovereignty that commanded all of creation to come into existence gets spoken to our hearts in that storm, and it just says, be still. It's pretty cool. Christy just said that at the same time I did. That was awesome. Uh, so as we move through chapter 14, I would say just keep in mind the, the reality that God is here. The reality that God has personally called each one of us to be here in his presence this morning to experience him, to hear his voice, and to respond to him and receive his gifts. Um, so this morning, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So let's pray and jump into it. Lord, thank you for calling us here this morning to be in your presence. What an incredible gift. Will you manifest your glory here this morning? Holy Spirit, will you move through absolutely every heart in this building and preach Jesus to us? Will you grow our faith, and will you give us that peace that is not of this world? Amen. Well, uh, this chapter begins with the words, Don't let your hearts be troubled. These are the words of Jesus to the disciples, and at this point in the story, Jesus is pretty much on his way to the cross, and the disciples are pretty confused at how their Lord can possibly be going to his death. You know, they have given up everything to follow him, 
And so when they look at a future without him, understandably, they feel very afraid. You know, when they had Jesus with them all the time, he was going around and he was healing people. He was standing up to the Pharisees. He was taking the lead on teaching. He was doing all those things. They had their leader, and so they had a lot of confidence to keep going and following him. Because they knew that when Jesus was with them, the storms could be calmed. They'd seen it. They knew that the most imminent dangers could be kept at bay. They'd seen it. But now that he's leaving, what does that mean for them, right? And so Jesus tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And this isn't a suggestion from Jesus. This is actually a command. Jesus commands his disciples to be at peace, even though they see that deep, dark valley right in front of them that they're about to walk through. And if Jesus had just stopped there, honestly, it wouldn't have been very encouraging. If you've ever been really upset or anxious about something and someone walks up to you and just goes, geez, just relax. You know it doesn't work, right? So if Jesus was like, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled, we'd be like, okay. Uh, But Jesus does not just tell them what to do. He also tells them how to do it and why. So he continues by saying, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And belief here uh, should be understood as trust. Faith in God or trust in God is the key to accessing the deep peace of God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. And so Jesus calls them to have trust in God's good, plan, God's good plan, which he explains to them. So he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me because in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what, oh, we got a verse for that? No? Perfect. Uh, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me because in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You see, throughout Scripture, it has been people's trust in the good plan of God that has kept them going through trials of absolutely every kind. You may have heard uh, about God's peace that is beyond understanding. We're going to hit that a little bit later on. But what we're talking about right here, right now, is peace with understanding. Specifically, understanding that God is good. Understanding that God has a plan. And understanding that God is using absolutely everything in our lives to make us more like Jesus, and to build his kingdom. And to understand that no matter what happens, Jesus is shepherding his flock to glory. Peace with understanding is all over the Bible. A couple examples uh, in James 1, verses 2 through 4. says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Because you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, 
you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Be at peace. That's why. Uh, James 1.12, which reads, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Why? Because afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, which says, So be truly glad. <laughs> be truly glad. Why? Because there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Or 1 Peter 4, which says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Why? Because these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You see, God does not, God does not want us to just blindly trust in him. He wants us to understand who he is. He wants us to understand what he's like. And he wants us to understand what his plan is for us and for this world. That's why he gave us the Bible. So in those verses we just read, we can see that understanding brings trust. And trust brings joy and peace. I think my favorite example of this uh, comes from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was an Old Testament prophet. Um, and after God reveals his very unexpected plan to Habakkuk, Habakkuk can actually stand in peace and say, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. So in John 14, Jesus is giving them understanding that his leaving is not the end. In Jesus' death, there will actually be victory. And that victory will be their victory. And that's exactly what happened. After Jesus died, he rose from the grave. And right now, even as we're sitting here, Jesus is preparing a place for his people. And he will return to bring us to that place. Or in other words, there is a future that is wonderful and that is secure for us. There is absolutely nothing in all of creation that can take that away from a child of God. So if you're a child of God this morning, I'm going to read the promise again and like take it into you. This is yours. This is a gift from Jesus for you to hold in your heart. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And when we truly believe that promise, that knowledge does something to us. The joy of the future and the peace of the future actually spills backwards into the present. And it creates just this deep stillness and peace inside of us. 
It's kind of like, uh, like the last week of work before a vacation. If you've ever had a vacation uh, that you're really looking forward to you, looking forward to, uh, let's say it's coming on, on Friday evening, you know that there's like nothing that can happen during that last week of work that can get you down. Because you're so excited for vacation, you can like almost taste it, right? The boss could be a jerk, all kinds of tasks could pile up, but somehow it's all okay and it can't steal your peace because you know that no matter what, come Friday, five o'clock on Friday evening, like you are out of there. You are gone. You're just like, see ya, suckers. <laughs> I actually said, here's a totally side note. Uh, when I got out of the army, you go and you wait in this big line and you sign all these papers. And, you know, I wasn't very high ranking. So there's all these high ranking people around me. And as soon as I signed my papers, I walked out and said, see ya, suckers. <laughs> I've been saying that for a long time. Anyways, so it's like that. No matter what happens good or bad, everything during the week just propels you closer and closer and closer to Friday evening where you know that good things are waiting for you. So the joy and the peace of vacation actually spills backwards into the work week and it transforms the entire experience of the week. That's what Jesus is commanding when he tells the disciples to not let their hearts be troubled, to trust him and to know beyond any doubt that he is preparing good things for them, and that he is coming back. So be at peace. And that whole cycle, that whole thing, is the work of God. This kind of trust, it cannot be mustered up from within ourselves. Jesus says very clearly that the peace he gives is not the same as the peace of the world. It's not something that can be accomplished through intense effort and just blindly going for it. It has to come from the presence of God actually meeting us, revealing himself to us, and speaking his love and truth to our hearts and minds. You know, without God's presence, the disciples very likely would have just become so focused on all the chaos around them, that they would have totally forgotten the victory of the cross. And they would have totally forgotten the promise of Jesus coming back. And they would have lost their peace. You know, one of the enemy's most common tricks is to keep us only looking at what's right in front of us so that we forget to look back to Jesus' finished work. And we forget to look forward to the future that he's holding for us. It's one of the reasons why taking communion is so important. But Jesus knows the tricks of the enemy. He knows that our minds and our hearts are intimately connected. And he knows, honestly, how weak and forgetful we are. And so he gave us a gift. In John 14, uh, 27 and 28, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace, of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I'm coming back again. And to make sure that they did not ever forget this, Jesus gave another gift, the Holy Spirit. 
who leads into all truth. In verses 15 through 21, we read, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So when the enemy comes to distract us with lies and he causes us to forget God's promises, the Holy Spirit is right there to speak the truth to us and to restore our peace. According to verse 26 in John 14, that's actually his job. Jesus says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything that I have told you. And I have absolutely seen this true in my own life. I can attest to the reality of this. You know, when I get down and frustrated, which absolutely happens, uh, when I get distracted from the truth of God's promises, inevitably, the Holy Spirit comes to me. And typically, usually what he does is he speaks the words of Psalm 42 to my mind and my heart. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope, I can't even hardly say it without starting to tear up. Just thinking about his faithfulness to me, it's, it's crazy. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. I shall again praise him. And then what happens typically is like I have the whole story of the Bible flip through the front of my mind instantly, and I'm like reoriented to what is true. I see my life in the context of God's story. I'm reminded that I am completely secure in Jesus. I'm coming, Brad. And that whatever I go through in this life is not only temporary, but that all of it is for my good, for my sanctification, and for the growing of God's kingdom. I am reminded that Jesus is coming back. And remembering all of that and truly believing it, I'm telling you, restores my peace. But in all of that experience, you know, we want to give appropriate glory to God. In all of that experience, the only part that I actually played was forgetting God's goodness and getting depressed. All of the other stuff is from the Holy Spirit, his weighty presence with me and his faithfulness to me. So, for example, right now, if anyone here is seeing your life, in the context of Jesus' finished work for you, his constant love for you and the eternal future with him. And that perspective is bringing you to like a, oh yeah, I'm remembering. It's kind of like I was blind, but now I see. And it's just, 
bringing to a place of hope and peace a little bit, then right now the Holy Spirit is upon you. And you are experiencing the weighty presence of God right now. That's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit is speaking truth directly to your heart. Praise God for his faithfulness. So that's the gift of peace that comes with understanding. Oh, we can kind of think of this like a father coming to his child and sitting down with him and speaking to him and just reassuring the child, you are safe, you are loved, you are wanted, you are secure, so trust, relax, be at peace. I got this. Now, the Bible also talks about the Holy Spirit meeting us and giving us a peace that is beyond understanding. In Philippians 4, we read, Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So if peace with understanding is like a father coming and looking, looking the kid in the eyes and reassuring him with words of truth, peace beyond understanding is kind of like when an overwhelmed child just runs to his father, collapses in his lap, and just sobs and dumps all of his hurts and fears. And the father just kind of wraps his arms around the kid and pulls him close. You know, as the, as the child just pours the tears into the father's chest, somehow that felt embrace of the father somehow extinguishes all the bad stuff, and it conquers the pain of the child. And in that place of that just unspoken closeness, fear and hurt and pain and guilt and shame and all of those other things are replaced with peace without the father ever speaking a word. Maybe a less dramatic example would just be the father putting a kind and reassuring hand on his child's shoulder. In either case, it's that touch. That touch can somehow bring a peace that maybe words never could in that situation. I've also experienced this in my own life. I can attest to this being true. You know, there are days when my heart forgets God's goodness and God's plan. And so I sit in that office right back there with the door closed and the light off. And I just talk to my father about my anxieties and all of those things. There are times when he absolutely never says a word. I don't have Psalm 42 or any other scripture come across my mind or anything like that. But time just seems to slow down a little bit. And this peace just kind of settles in the room and in myself that honestly I can't really, I can't really describe. The burden is just somehow gone. I guess that's why they call it peace without beyond understanding. But that is also the presence of God doing exactly what Jesus promised he would do in John 14. He didn't abandon his children as orphans. 
He comes to us by the Holy Spirit, and he reveals himself to absolutely anyone who loves him and seeks him. And he gives them his peace. So as the band uh, comes back up, I wanted to keep it a little bit short this morning to give more time for ministry. Um, So I'll invite the band back up. And as they come up, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit again to move through absolutely each person here to reveal Jesus to each of us and to call us to himself to receive this gift of peace. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said that we can ask for absolutely anything in your name and that you will do it so that the Father will be glorified in you. You also said that anyone who seeks finds and anyone who knocks will have the door open to them and they will receive your wonderful gifts. Jesus, we come to you in faith this morning with open hearts and open hands. Will you call us to your embrace? Will you remind us of your goodness? And will you command that storm inside of us to be still? Amen.